everyone. Welcome to the Bujo Breaky Buddies podcast. We are your hosts, Wensin and Natasha. Join us on our BBB journey as we explore topics like careers, relationships, finances, lifestyle, and everything else in between. We do all of this while finding creative solutions on this bumpy journey called adulthood. So sit back, relax, and let's explore life one Bujo Breaky Buddies session at a time. Hello, fellow BBBs. Thank you for joining another episode with the BBB Podcast. This is Wenzin. In this episode, Natasha and I are diving into a discussion about our experience with reading. Both of us got into reading at a fairly young age, but we both also have some struggles curating reading as a sustainable habit. In this episode, we cover perspectives of being a non-reader and a reader, being a seasonal reader currently, and our aspirations to be a seasoned reader. Also, do have a guess whether it is Natasha or myself who is a physical book reader and who is an e-book reader. We even share a little fangirl moment about the Harry Potter franchise. Here we go! Okay, hello Natasha. Hi, Wintin. How are you doing? I am alright. This is yet another week of recording. How are you feeling? Good. Ready to tackle on the topic. It's an interesting topic, huh? This time? Yeah. I mean, every time. <laughs> but something that we've been actually talking about long and before uh, even talking about the podcast. Yes. And I think just to break things up a little bit, just to have a bit of a lighter topic, because we have been diving into adulting, we dive into career. So I thought, why don't we introduce like an area that we are both quite passionate about, have a little bit of an on and off relationship with, which is reading. Ah, yes. Yes. So if you could recall, do you remember how you started your reading journey? Okay. I don't particularly recall when it started because it felt very natural to me that it associated with me gaining knowledge, um, growing up, uh, learning about new things. Because back in the day, there's no YouTube. So there was no phones, no YouTube. What you saw was on TV, was limited to your, your channels that were available. So if you wanted to broaden your perspective, you would have to go through books, either pictured books. And I remember I was so excited. Um, I don't know which birthday, sixth, seventh or eighth birthday, I don't know. I was gifted a child encyclopedia. I learned about the first person to go on the moon, um, Cleopatra in Egypt and all those kind of things. So it, it fascinated me um, very much. And I think it, that was the growth from there. The association that with books, you gain perspective and knowledge. Hmm. Like encyclopedia is like the Google in physical form. <laughs> and I still remember yeah. begging my mom to get me those. And it wasn't cheap, like for the standard back then. I think it was like 50 ringgit mm. for two volumes. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah, and I remember great. I got my mom to get it, but I didn't read it. Because <laughs> I'm not really a natural reader. All right. No, I don't think I am either. It doesn't come 
especially now in the era of distraction, yeah. it doesn't come naturally for me to pick my book up that's at my bedside table every night or pick my phone up. I would naturally, without thinking about it, pick my phone up. Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't think I am a natural reader. And I think you've you've actually mentioned this before that you have to be very mindful or very yeah. intentional when wanting to read something. Mm, yeah, it's like you can go on hours throwing your phone, but then to actually pick up the book and dedicate like five, ten minutes sometimes could be tough because of the mindfulness practice that comes with reading. True. And also that that instant gratification. When you see something visual, you get it. You you know what's happening and it's like um, five, ten seconds, you already know what it is. But sometimes the kind of books that I attempt to read, oh my gosh, it gives me a headache even reading the first paragraph that, that it puts me off. So it's like finding that balance between reading something that pushes my boundaries hmm. and then reading something light that helps me remind myself, oh my God, I love reading. <laughs> Yeah, and apart from like encyclopedia memory, I said another memory that my mom got me my first book, and she got Ooh. me Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, which she totally skipped oh, the first really? book, and she got me the second book as one of my birthday gifts. Yeah, the first book was Philosopher's Stone or the Sorcerer's right. Stone, but she got me yeah. the Chamber of Secrets instead, which I didn't touch. I think until two to three years later. I, I remember, so wait, okay. Um, how was that experience like, your first book? Actually remembering that and going because, through that. Because I wasn't a natural reader, so I didn't pick it up even though my mom gave me the book. Mm. But little did I know, Harry Potter has a very big influence during my teenager years. So I think I years. got the Harry Potter second book and maybe I was around 10. But it didn't really get into me until the movies comes out. And then oh, that's nice. where I backtracked to go back to all the single Harry Potter books, which I actually just finished mm-hmm. the Harry Potter series like maybe the third time and rewatched the movie oh. back by side. What? Wow. Yeah. So there was a um, cycle. The inspiration during the teenager years was the changing point because there were a couple more ins- inspiration back then where influenced by friends around me. Oh, okay. Wow. I remember my first Harry Potter book. Uh, I was fortunate to accompany my parents to London mm-hmm. at the time uh, for my uncle's graduation. And he was telling us, I remember he was telling us like, oh, this is the new hit uh, children book series, um, J.K. Rowling. And like, we should get her if she, like, if she claims to be a reader and stuff. And I was really young. So I literally had a notepad when I read, and my first book was Chamber of Secrets. I, I don't know why we did not pick up the Philosopher's Stone. It was Chamber of Secrets. Because I remember the flying car. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, and I had this book next to me. Because mind you, at the point, I was reading Anna Blyton. So it was very, like you can picture or like, your imagination can run wild within that realm. But then, I had to write down, what is Quidditch? What what is um I don't know I I was listing things down. What is Quidditch? What is uh, uh Professor McGonagall? I think there was something with the potions, and I'm like, what is all this? And like I don't get it. And at the same time, my cousin who like was slightly older, she's like, 
are you kidding me? Like, if you don't get it, just give me the book. Like, I was like, sure, go ahead, take it. And that and was so before the movie came out, right? Before the movie. And like, until today, I'm like, why did I do that? Can't <laughs> <laughs> get back your book. No, no, no. So she, she's like a crazy Harry Potter fan. And I'm so grateful for her in my life is because she helped me understand. Hmm. She helped me understand and then it, it has made me the Harry Potter fan that I am today. Mm-hmm. I would pick the books above the movies anytime, any day. And I've read all seven of them mm-hmm. and I'm really proud. Yeah. Yeah. But with my recent experience when I read the book and I watched the movie almost immediately, there are actually very interesting details that the movie picked up or some even good improvisation that happens on the movie that the book Ooh. didn't do as well. And there were a lot of like... That's a uh, condensed like that 300 pages into a two-hour movie. Yeah, and YouTube, there are a lot of... There are probably one, a couple of channels that did very critical analysis of the comparison of the book and the movie and also a lot of fan theory about some of the developments, which are actually very, very interesting and insightful on what the fans have picked up and how the book complements the movie or how the movie complements the book. Sorry, it's actually how the movie complements the book and give it a better spin. That's interesting. Like the take on, so at the time of like the movies coming out, like Order of Phoenix, because Order of Phoenix was like the the thickest book that Mm -hmm. the whole um, series had. And they were like, no, not, nothing of that did justice. Like, you know, the book's so much better, this and that, that, that. And it's funny that you should say that the movie complements the book. Only, I think, when you comprehend and when you do go back and read it so often and realize a few things, that's when you really start to appreciate mm-hmm. the value of what the movie tried to do with that 500-page book mm-hmm. and to what it is today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, so I will ask you this. Um, would you? What do you prefer? I mean, no, I, we are on the topic of reading, but would you watch the movie first if it was like a Nicholas Sparks series? Would you watch the movies first, or would you read the book? Given the choice, I would read the book first. Oh, and I will have like the whole original pages play out in my head, and then I'll watch the movie. Ah, nice. Yeah. It's like you'll be able to have your own imagination of the characters and what happens. Mm-hmm. And then the movie plays it out either in a similar manner or in a different form. And it sort of looks at things differently and how it could grow. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but oftentimes yeah. I think people might find if you do it that way, read book first and then movie comes later. It might be a letdown because it's so different from your imagination. So much built up in your head, yeah. Yeah. Do you prefer the other way, though? Uh, I would always choose the book if it was given to me, both options. But it depends on the genre. It depends on the author. And it depends on like the context. So if it's specifically for Harry Potter, hands down books mm-hmm. and then watch the movie. But for like the Nicholas Sparks series, 
I enjoy the the movies, hmm. the visual aspects of it, um, a lot. But I also think my imagination is a bit limited. Like, <laughs> I think what the movie helps when if I do watch the movie first and then read the book, it helps bring to life the characters. Like there's a face to the character. And then um, that part of the imagination comes naturally in terms of how the book, I would go through the book and read the book and go through it. So it really depends, hands down, um, books. But also, if you drill it down in a granular level, it depends on the topic, depends on the genre, depends on the author. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Do you remember, is there any other inspiration that has helped you along the way then and now? Inspiration to read? Mm-hmm. Um, I think it goes back to why I started reading. Mm-hmm. And that was like an escape. An escape for like um, what I would think is my rudimentary day-to-day, what I do in life and everything. And these novels helped me feel like, oh, there is this fancy new school. There is this um, new uh, area or thought process or like the fancy life of like a 15-year-old, 16-year-old, like the Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen books and stuff like that. Um, that was my purpose and reason why I first started doing it. And it sort of inspired me to think differently or think outside of the box when I wanted to um, explore topics in my life. And my dad has always been a reader. Hmm. My dad has always had either books in one hand or like a phone or technology in the other. But he's the one who I mirrored growing up with reading and how he read books and there was always books in the house in our bookshelves it was never for sure it was actually books that he read and yeah I can't comprehend back then the types of books that he read I'm like why isn't it reading Anna Blyton like Anna Blyton is so awesome what is this strategy book about Ugh. yeah <laughs> yeah I share the same inspiration in a way like my dad is a reader so he's he was Ooh. back then and he still is today Mm. Yeah, but he's he wasn't that kind who would encourage you with words. He show you through action. So I grew up seeing him, observing him reading. Then I'm like, wow, that's quite a that's that's a very good habit that he fostered or he had. Then mm. also at my teenager phase, my social circle also picked up book reading, and back then it was like Sophie Kinsella, Cecilia Aitken, time, <gasps> which is more of a chic read. Yes. yes and then I remember that time the momentum picked up really well because the Shopaholic series by Sophie Kinsella was like a series of five six and I remember reading mm. one after the other yeah so I had a very good momentum during my teenager years and it died off for a good couple of years during my pre-U I don't know what happened during my pre-U and university years I didn't, <laughs> I didn't read a lot I think I still mindfully try to have it because go back to the reason why I have re- I do reading is because I do think it is a good practice to have. Like there were times mm. that I would really engross in it, and it really helped with being mindful. Even though back yeah. then I didn't know about the concept of mindfulness, but now I picked up after coming back from university and have a conscious goals to read 
folks on an annual basis and then mm. realizing the concept of mindfulness and when I read it I was truly in the zone and that gives me like a lot of joy actually when I picked up the book Ooh, and when I'm at a good momentum time <laughs> so yes it's yeah it feels like very accomplishing like you've accomplished something yeah yeah, but it is really a non enough momentum. Like on good days, on good moments, I think the momentum could probably last for a couple of months. And after that, when life gets in the way, and I forget about the book, which is beside my bedside table. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It also goes back to what your focus and your interests are. Mm. I've learned that it's not a bad thing that your interest changes over time. And your topics or the interests of that particular book may not be relevant to where you are now, but it was relevant at that point. So maybe reading at that juncture would have been good. But right now, if you're interested, let's say, um, about learning about the brain and how it works, the cognitive theories and stuff like that. But on your bedside, you have something about strategies and how to optimize your time at work. Like it wouldn't be your first intention to, um, pick that up. So understanding also what you are interested in helps with gaining that momentum and the types of books that you would be interested to read and not just pick up, but actually finish. Mm, yeah, and that's also a tip, right? To whatever you're interested at the moment, you will pick up yeah. the relevant book to spark your interest further or to know more about that particular knowledge area a bit more. Yeah, it was actually very sound advice when for what I've received from a, a mutual colleague, former colleague of ours, mm-hmm. um, that she said, and I was so amazed with her. Um, she would post up on Instagram every book that she finishes, and it was like an interim of like one week of each other. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I was like at book one from twenty twenty, same book one in 2021 that I did not finish. And I'm like, how did you do that? How do you finish it? How? What is your tips and tricks for me to actually finish it? It's not that I'm not interested. I really am. I just had really bad momentum or like piled on things that I, I was doing that was not focused on finishing that book. Hmm. And her advice was read things that you are interested in hmm. rather than what society says is interesting. Hmm. And that was really profound for me because I was always battling between nonfiction and fiction. Reading uh, nonfiction stuff made me feel like a grown-up. Like, oh, I'm a grown-up. Reading about all of this, it's not like a fantasy world and stuff like that. But it doesn't mean that I did not enjoy it. Hmm. So with her advice, I picked up an, a fictional book of like something I was really interested in and that helped me grow my momentum. Like, oh my God. I read and this is what I get. Ah! And then I finished up that non-fiction book, mm, that yeah. self-help book, uh, the psychology book that I was reading. And I was like, yeah. So I, I really appreciate that advice. And it was really simple, but very profound for me to help me gain my momentum and also my inspiration and the reason why I read. Mm, yeah, I think I also have to agree that friends or the social circle that they sh- when they shared about their reading habits or the type of books that they read, it was somehow inspired me to pick up, okay, pick up a book, choose something that I'm interested in, and whatever that they read, if it resonates with me, I would write it down in a two-read list. 
So, yeah. so maybe that would classify as like what society tells you what to read, but rather it's just a to read list that was re- that resonated with me before, which might resonate mm. with me again when my interest mm. picked up to that knowledge area. So yeah, when friends sure. share their reading uh, achievement, that kind of also inspires me to, okay, remember, I have this goal too. Yes, that's true. Yeah, that's true. And it's, it's important to have that if that is something that's of interest to you, having that discussion or that thought or having someone else that you can um, seek for reference, like what are the, the types of books in this genre that, you know, I can read moving forward. Yeah. Okay. In the next session, I'm interested to also include like the community of non-readers because reading can be quite, again, a mindful practice. And, and also daunting to some. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I was wondering, do you think that reading is essential for everyone? Is reading essential for everyone? I would say yes, reading is essential for everyone. But reading a book, physical or uh, an ebook, is not essential. Mm. Like, it goes back to why you read. What is your why? What is your big why? So what is my why <laughs> of reading? Is it to gain perspective? Is it to gain knowledge? Is it to just shut my thoughts off and, and read something? So it doesn't necessarily have to come from a book. You can either read an article or read a newspaper or even read a comic strip that helps. That is essential if it goes back to why your purpose is what is your purpose? Sorry. And for me specifically, my purpose right now is actually to gain perspective, learn different con- concepts or different thought processes on a topic that is cur- not say current, but one topic, different perspectives to everything. Mm-hmm. And how do I get that is by reading, whether it's a book, whether it's like a Harvard Business Review article. Those things help me gain my perspective. Hmm. So, do you think, Quentin, it's essential for people to read? Um, well, I did start off the introduction that um, not everyone is a reader. Hmm. So, I do think it's not essential for everyone to read hmm. because the society has come up with a lot of other mediums that you can digest knowledge. So, like a podcast. Yes. Okay. It's a very, very good way to slot in a promotion. Yes. A podcast, listening to two little girls talk about it. And also there are YouTube because uh, the content create, creating space has grown so much. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, there are a lot of actually credible content creators on YouTube that mm. produce like very educational materials. And mm. also that includes like, um, reviews of books they summarize a book in a good 15 minutes including the summary includes the insights including the learning of course you are digesting a review from someone else about a book but it is for someone that may not have that amount of mindfulness Hmm. those kind of mediums might serve as a better way for them to learn and same goes to a podcast episode. Like sometimes through convers- you listening conversations about people, you learn about a lot of things and then you implement some of it to your life. Yeah. 
And the other form of medium that could be helpful is audiobook. It's like you're listening to a book, which which might be a little better based on people's lifestyle because it also boils down to like if people's lifestyle can afford to have like a dedicated, mindful, and also time to read. And sometimes Mm. other mediums might serve better. Yeah, it's it's also less cumbersome if you think about it, like holding a physical book or holding like a, a Kindle in comparison to just putting in your headphones, turning on like an e-book, audio, like audio book and like digesting all of that. Hmm. Yeah, but I would say it's, um, I would also defend the benefit of reading from a book because mm. I think a book is a bit more well-researched, well-thought-out about the content it's a longer journey on getting and for you for the reader to decipher what's that 200 to 300 pages are all about and gain something out of it whereas a a, a content created Audio. on youtube instagram audio might be very mirror to the actual book but let's say on youtube mm-hmm. it's it's already a summarized version of that particular content creator mm. so may not, not do it justice yeah not to say it isn't original it is more of a shortcut, but what you gain from a book, if you have the mindfulness and time to go through it, what you might gain from it through that hours of reading might trigger something a bit greater in your brain. Mm. True. I agree with that point. I agree that it's... I would... I feel I have reaped more benefit from a physical book uh, compared to reading a summary mm. where I go, I understand the concept. So you know that when you read a summary or when you listen to a summary, it's like those bullet points. But when you read the book, you actually have that depth of that each summarized point. Mm. Yeah. But the what only I've thing done is, yeah, sorry, I was going to say the only thing is a little more time consuming and sometimes yes. life gets in the way. <laughs> so what I've actually done before is uh, I've read a book and then the seven habits of highly effective people. I read that book and then um, I've read the audio, uh, uh, the summarized audio, just to remember the, the whole in its entirety, what are the seven components and how do you apply it and everything. So that's how I use both and try to um, read the benefit of the audio book and audio, um, sorry, the summarized audio so that I can remember what the book was all about. Hmm. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Then I guess we we all have been like on the reading journeys probably since when we were young, a little mm-hmm. on and off. Then how do you cultivate the habit of reading? Do you have any tips that you could share? I will go back to my why. Okay. So caveat, I I I'm still in the process of rebuilding that habit <laughs> it took a great departure um i think in pu as well you need life as well um and also work and i'm trying to build that uh foundation again and what helped me with rebuilding that habit is to remind myself my big why why do i want to read why do i find it so important and i caught myself this year telling people that i'm a reader mm-hmm. i read my hobby is reading. And like, oh, okay, what's the recent book? Naturally, you'll ask, like, what's the most recent book that you've read? Ah, uh, crickets in the background. <laughs> so 
if I, I identify as a reader, I myself feel that I possibly was a hypocrite when I said it. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to be that way. So my big why is to live up to the way I describe myself as a reader. And that helped me when I needed to form the habit. I started reminding myself like, okay, look, I, I am a reader. And it doesn't mean that if you're a reader, you're finishing one chapter one night. I am still, I still feel like a reader. I'm still calling myself a reader, even if I finish one page in one day. Because the ultimate objective is I want to finish that book because I want to read the knowledge and to be able to have that perspective when I talk about that topic, whether it is fiction or nonfiction, and to be able to very confidently carry a conversation when I say, hey, yeah, I'm a reader. That's my hobby. And to confidently answer the follow-up questions like, what is the last book you read? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I I remember okay, so I'm a goal setting person. So mm. when I set up my yearly resolutions, I remember I always write down X books to read this year. Yeah. So for the for a good number of years, it's stuck at twelve books a year. And I couldn't increase the number because I didn't achieve it the year before. So it has been <laughs> stuck at twelve books a year. I don't know when I managed to do it but I think last year I wrote down 18 books a year and I achieved it oh and, um, nice yeah you did yeah yeah I, I think very I went well documented as well yeah. everyone can go over to the annual project on Instagram you can see her 2019 or was it 2020 project it was 2020 part of your 2020 project yeah, yeah. and actually that helps like that sharing on Instagram on like when I, yeah, when I finish a book and I just post it up and say, okay, I finished book one, book 11, book 21. And it came out quite a good reading momentum. Also because I have a good break around middle of the year. Yeah, so because when after that, mm-hmm. when I achieve 18 books a year, then this year my book became 24 books a year, which I'm actually slightly Ooh, behind. Yeah, okay. two books a month. It's actually quite doable if the momentum is constant but momentum is never constant <laughs> so so yeah so there are days where i can finish a book in a in like a couple of hours and then yes. there are other times where i finish one book in six months yeah yeah so but i, I find that the goal setting still help because it's in your mind it's saying that okay this is something that i would like to achieve but again the goal is not supposed to kill you the, the goal is supposed to motivate you the goal is not supposed to make you bad if you can't achieve it but i find that having a number in my mind and having an accountability method mm. kind of helps with like okay cultivate the momentum of reading as the back of in the back of my mind that i know that is something that i would like to achieve this year so that's one at one point i use my bullet journal a lot on the habit mm. tracker section just to right, see right. how many days i read a year not using it religiously, but it helps to make me say, okay, wow, my reading momentum was very positive over the last two weeks. Then it became a motivation to keep it up. Keep it up. So, however, if let's say the, it was like X for the last seven days, then it kind of motivates me to go, hey, you've been a little behind. So pick up that book at your bedside table and probably have to read. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I remember telling you as well, I tried to establish two reading corners at my rental home. Oh, wow. 
I remember you formed one, but I didn't know you did two. Nice. Oh, I did one is living room. It's like a mm. L L shaped sofa that I can overlook at the nice window to read. So that's my reading corner number one. Then my reading corner number two is to put a reading chair in my bedroom, and I established that as my reading corner number two. But guess what? Both didn't work out as my reading corners. <laughs> yeah. So. But I, I, my eventual dream is to have like a very nice reading nook or reading chair that is good for the posture, good for the mood and sit down there to read. But right now, what works for me, the reading corner happens to be my bed mm. before I sleep. So it's like 15 to 30 minutes before I sleep. That become the place that I read and became my ultimate reading corner. Ah, so, okay. So I feel like cultivating the habit by knowing when and where is the right time for you to read can be beneficial. If the best time that you have is the time that you unwind before you sleep, take that mm. time. If it's in between a very, very stressful meeting and then you want to have like that five minutes of rest, yeah, mm. sometimes I do that as well. Just to have to read between like a very stressful moment. That's interesting because I feel like I absorb a lot more when I read in the morning, when I when I go through my, my one hour routine before I start day and incorporating reading in there. I read more in that 20 minutes than I do in the one hour before bedtime. <laughs> yeah, I guess like some people, like you've gone through a very long day and the last yeah. thing you want to do at night is to use a brain again. Yeah, it's supposed to be shutting down and like this one is trying to focus and like, ah, let me read that sentence again. What is that sentence telling me again? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it depends on the book that you are reading at that time because if it's a very heavy book, which sometimes mm. I tackle, it will take me so long to read because I don't want to read it before I see it. That's true. That is true. That's very true. It's like the type of book also matters. Mm. Okay, so if I can summarize um, the habits that we we've tried and worked for us, it's knowing your why, like mm. why your foundation is, why are you reading? What is your motivation behind reading? When you find that, then set a goal, like a target of what, how much you want to read or the type of topics that you want to read about, set a goal with a specific area in mind, whether or like area or timing or a space that you can harness the best of yourself when you're reading. Then create accountability mm. like setting a goal is one but being accountable for that goal and how do you do that Wenxin's way is putting it up on Instagram and um, she does where she does a okay so this is the book that I'm going to read and then that's like at the beginning of the month and then she says she puts book 5 out of 10 at, by the time she's finished that book so it's like an accountability measure mm. and to track that progress so the way Wenxin does it it's two in one, I feel. So you're able to track your progress when you do your Instagram posts, also creating accountability. Or if you don't do that, you can actually just have a checklist, like a list of books that you want to read or that you put down and tracking your progress. If you say you're going to read uh, 12 books about a certain topic and you just tick it, go through and tick it and go through that. I think that's our advice about building habits specifically for reading 
but also habits in general. I know habits is like a huge topic, a, a topic that we would definitely want to talk more about. But a glimpse of that is actually with reading and these steps can help formulate that habit. Mm, wise. That's yeah. a very good summary. Okay. <laughs> Moving on, this section, it's pretty, pretty interesting to the both of us because we had this debate before about reading off a book. Still debating. I'm not backing down. Just, mm-hmm. just everybody else. Are you sure? <laughs> yeah, so it was a debate um, of like reading off a book or reading an ebook. Yeah, so here I have an interesting transition where I transitioned to ebook reading in around 2017 because that was the year that I adopt minimalism. And the whole <laughs> big activity about minimalism is about decluttering. And the easiest thing, the easiest item to declutter for me are books at that time, books and clothes. Yeah, but books are relatively mm. easy to declutter and to sell and to give away on a secondhand platform and also giving out to people who want it. Yeah, so I, like a lot of other people, have the good or bad habit of acquiring a lot of books before I read or be, like acquire like or a library of books. Book. Yeah, so I have like a lot of unread books that accumulated throughout the years that I went to the Big Bad Wolf book sale, that I went to a bookstore that happens to have like sale or I just acquired a book that I thought I would be really interested at that point and yet didn't read. Then it got accumulated. Yeah, so in 2017, I made a hard cut and say I'm going to declutter every single book and only kept like, eight to ten books that really matters to me and the i think i ha- currently have 10 books in my possession and seven of them are harry potter books yeah so obviously yes. <laughs> and those are the one that i wouldn't part away so i successfully transitioned to an ebook reader by end 2017 and i actually never looked back since like my first default choice now would really be ebook it was a natural transition for me. Secondly, because of minimalism, number one. Number two, mm. it has shown me the convenience of like having ebook reader instead. So yeah, carrying like, that one device with you, yeah, or, like being like ten books that you want to read. Yeah, like it's very convenient when I travel. When I want mm. to be in a cafe, I just bring like a thin ebook reader. Even. Mm. My current practice of reading on the bed before sleep with the dim light on, ebook reader mm. has proven to be a more, a better way to read. Cause if it's me reading off a physical book, I have to tilt it to the light and I have the better way of lying down when I read. And when you lie down and you read, it's almost impossible to read with a physical book. But, oh, okay. but it's a different you're case. It, you're selling points. Uh, yes, I'm convincing you and trying to win the debate even before we talk about it. <laughs> so, yeah, okay. so yeah, so I have transitioned to an ebook reader and I felt that it has actually been a better experience, reading experience for me. And also mm. the highlight function, I have to say, the highlight function on an ebook reader is important, it's instrumental. It's like, because if you were to highlight on the physical book, sometimes you need to fold the pages to get back to it. Mm-hmm. But an ebook reader has a dedicated section for your highlighted quotes or inspiration or sentences. And that helped when I want to go back and refer it back. Yeah. So that's my experience. Stop with- it! 
So are you more convinced now? Ah, uh, okay. So our listeners will be the first time hearing this debate from yourself, your points. But I've actually been hearing this for as long as I've heard met Wenzin. Of course, there's no Wenzin. And I've been a strict physical book all my life. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it's largely due to the experience, the, the smell of the book, the smell of the pages, the physical touch of like flipping the page and holding that book and feeling its depth and, and all that glory. And that's why I was always a firm believer that it will never substitute that experience in whatever medium, whether you're using your laptop to read, whether you're using an ebook reader or even an iPad or something, it will never give you that full experience. Having said that, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I still hold firm to that, but I did give it a try. So after a couple of years of hearing Wensin's um, points come across, every time I see her with an ebook reader and she sees me in return with a book, a physical book, she's like, you see, <laughs> I gave it a try this year. I actually completed two ebooks this year. And I must say the tides are changing. Mm. And I experienced the convenience. I experienced that whole lighting thing where I needed to find like a good space uh, to have lighting. And then like, you know, when... Uh, I'm going to bed. All the lights are off because I'm a lazy bum to go and turn off the lights on the switches. I'll have only my side tab- table lamp, but I had to position my book in a way that's uncomfortable to read it. And also, again, a firm believer of not scribbling in your books. Mm-hmm. I, I did not highlight my books. I did not write notes in it until I started reading um, like self-help books or like psychological books and mm. things like that that I actually jotted down notes um, at that point like reflecting and also um, putting that into a real world situation that I've experienced mm. just as a reflection and that helped so much mm. and when when Sin always told about the highlighting function I'm like no I'll never highlight a book I still can hold that theory if I have an ebook <laughs> mm. and when I was reading those kinds of books, I had to lug around a pencil or a pen and, and a physical highlighter to highlight those pages that I found or those quotes that I found very interesting that I, I did not need to reread the whole book. I can just flip back to a page that's highlighted and I like pick up those key points and read my notes at the side. So that was an experience over the last one and a half years that lugging around those utensils and then having my ebook reader and realizing that I can actually have that convenience. Mm. So at this juncture, I'm still not backing down with the debate between physical book, but I am embracing <laughs> the benefits of an ebook and also choosing the kinds of books that I want to mindfully keep that I feel is very valuable. So my favorite authors, um, Khaled Husseini, Mabu, Adam Grant, um, those kind of books, Harry Potter series, those are the kind of books that I would love to have physical copies because that book gave me an impact, that author gave me such an impact and I want to keep that. 
Not to say that I won't be able to do that with an ebook, but tangibly, I'll be able to see that book hmm. yeah. right there on my on my shelf and things like that. Mm. So that's the transition that I'm in. I am fifty. Let's go back on that. I am about sixty forty or seven sixty five thirty five on the whole book and ebook, leaning more towards physical book. Oh. Better oh. than hundred zero. Oh. I'm slowly transitioning. I thought yeah. I managed to convert you somehow. Um, it depends. It depends on the type of book. It depends on the the content of that book. I would actually, in certain circumstances, I would choose an ebook or read it via my ebook reader. Hmm. Yeah. And I, I am investing in an ebook reader, yeah. a proper ebook reader. Hmm. Yeah. I actually don't deny like the benefits that physical books bring you with a more immersive and more, more satisfying experience as well because you are actually like holding a book and then yes the smell and the experience of flipping and when you reach the last page it's actually very satisfying that you, yeah towards the last thin pages of books you just oh I'm just going to finish it off, finish it off but for an ebook reader sometimes I don't know where the end is because some the way that ebook yeah. is being built um yeah you, it's very hard to see where how much more to go yeah, and so some I, people find it very intimidating to see that thick book and like it's a complete put off to them. And if that is like someone who's listening thinks, yes, completely so, I wouldn't read thick books because it's a put off, you should definitely try an ebook reader. Because we have a, a friend uh, that we have, Wensin, that she mentioned the reason why she particularly likes an ebook reader is because she feels it's very daunting to see a thick book. Oh. Like the Homo sapiens book and everything. She's like, if I had. I saw the physical copy. I was like, no. I, it's, she's thankful that she read it uh, in the ebook reader before actually seeing what the physical copy looked like. She's like, if I did, I would have never read it. Mm, that's an interesting perspective because I read the book as well. And yes, it gets very tough at the halfway point. I read the physical yeah. version of that one. Oh, okay. Nice. Yeah. I guess this debate is it's, it's not about like um, you have to go with physical ebook or advocating for an ebook reader, but rather what format works well for you. Either way, find what feels good to you. Yeah, yeah. Either way, reading is still a positive habit. Whichever medium mm. that you choose, yeah, just go for it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Just as a wrap up, I wonder what reading means to you. Like you say, that is something that you are a reader. You are cultivating a habit, but. Mm. What reading means to you when you actually hold a book or you finish a book? For me, it, the process is very intentional, right? It goes back to my why. And why am I reading this book? What is my ultimate goal? And what it means to me is I'm developing my character, my personality. And to mold what I say about who Natasha is mm. rather than I, I feel part of growing up, part of like transitioning the various chapters in my life, I felt I was very pegged towards how people perceived who Natasha was. And then that was what I defined myself as. And then mm. it wasn't a very sustainable means because when someone changes their perspective of who Natasha is, my whole foundation is, is like blocked. Mm. So what it means to me is I'm molding who I am, who Natasha is, how Natasha would introduce herself, and the character that I am building, the discipline that I want to build for myself. 
And that's what reading means to me. Mm-hmm. Building that character, that discipline, and building that perspective. Because to me, all about 2021 is learning and growing and building perspective of things that are foreign to me or familiar to me, but maybe of a different opinion to someone else. That's what reading is to me. For me, I I have a different phases with reading. For the longest time when I grew up in the teenager phase, it's, mm. It meant more like an escape. It meant more like an, a break true, from studies. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. So it's like when I'm taking a break from my studies when, when I was a teenager, then that, that's where I pick up a very entertaining, chic book and trying to digest it. And I was very engrossed in those more lighthearted books when I was younger. Mm. Fiction. Yeah. Mm. And I think now it has evolved to more of a self-development tool. So like you said, like Ooh, whatever yeah. interest that I'm particularly want to focus on at the moment, whether it be mm. a knowledge area about a spiritual journey or it's about a cultivating habit, then I read some a book about habits, which I actually haven't. And there's also about like autobiography, if I want to learn more about perspective of someone successful, then I'll mm. pick up a book of that. So it has now become more of a self-development tool. And, and yeah, so it just depends on what I'm interested in at the moment. That's true. When feeding off of that, I realized that I had different phases in my life when when it came to reading or picking up a book. There were times where, it, for you, it was a timeline take of your age. For me, it was the interest. I had a whole interest in um, the Holocaust. And how mm. that happened and why it happened and reading accounts of survivors and stuff. I know it sounds really morbid and I was like really young, okay? I was like in my teens, early teens. And fortunately, my parents didn't raise a red flag. Like, why is she reading about the Holocaust? But they fed into my whole journey, got me books like The Diary of Anne Frank, um, accounts uh, from Eli Weasel, who were, um, he was a survivor of the Holocaust. And then it transitioned to learning a lot more about South Africa, like the journey with Mandela, how did he grow? And he's actually one of those people, one of the people that I would have at a dinner table. If you had a choice of 10 people in your whole lifetime, who would you call to your dinner table? He is definitely one of them. And I wanted to know so much about him. And then it transitioned into learning more about Buddhism and the meditation, the science behind Buddhism. And I have a whole stack of books about that. And then the Afghan war and learning about Afghanistan. And you can actually see in my shelves, blocks of this, like blocks of this topic, like oh, so much of it. And suddenly a drop and like, hey, hey, so many things about strategy. And then suddenly so many things about the Holocaust. And then suddenly so many things about meditation. It's a cool whirlwind. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's not a color-coordinated bookshelf. It's a topic coordinated bookshelf much to my cousin's dismay who actually helped me arrange through like the ascending colors Mm. i was like no this doesn't make sense this doesn't make sense to me and how i read it the left side is things that i did not read and also coded by um, topics and she's like i give up on you (laughs) well it's okay it's your bookshelf yes that's true that's true yeah i think Sorry, go ahead. No, I'm just going to jump on to the next one. Yeah, but you can wrap it up. Um, yeah, I think 
what we spoke about today was a very unique and varying perspective of what we feel books are to us or reading mm. is to us, essentially. Mm. And for you, Wenzin, where do you see yourself? Where do you think reading is taking you in your whole journey? Um, I definitely do want it to be part of my life. Like it has mm. been a very good tool and it has been a good hobby that ha- helps me whether it's an escape or now being a self-development tool I still mm. see reading as something that I want permanently in my life so where I want where I hope that reading can get to is also me getting into a natural a more natural and sustainable momentum to read books so mm. I, I thought for now given that there are so many things going on in life 24 books a year it's a good number. It's like a comfortable number that I felt I could keep it for the next couple of years. Of course, if I could read more, that'd be best. But then as a aim to cover that, to be comfortable and able to achieve 24 books a year, that's like a very comfortable spot for me. And then I hope that, and I hope that also it's like you said at, at the earlier part of this episode is don't, the choice, the book that I choose isn't really influenced by what society thinks that I should be reading just because it's a bestseller. But or rather it's appropriate, age appropriate for yourself. Yeah. So rather it's really influenced by my interest areas. So I could pick up books at my uh at my interest rather than clearing backlog. So there are now True. like certain backlogs at my two release that I find it very interesting still. But I want to evolve to a point that okay, I determine the next book that I want and I go out there and stumble upon it. Yeah, agreed, agreed, agreed. For me, I feel it's here to stay. It's part of my identity. It's part of who I am, a reading reader. Um, And because I feel it's something that's ingrained in me to not, to always remember what, what is my why. My why evolves all the time. And, but to always remember, to always stick back to why is reading important? What benefit do I feel I'm getting from reading? And never to lose sight of that. I think that's something that I will hold dear and what will take me through now until the end of time. <laughs> yep. And with that, we conclude our episode on reading. Whether or not you are a reader and whether or not you are a seasoned or a seasonal reader, we hope you get some inspiration listening to our reading journey and preference. Happy reading, and we wish you a good day wherever you are. Thank you, and see you in the next episode. Bye! Thank you, fellow BBBs, for tuning into this episode and for spending time with us on the Bujo Breaky Buddies podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode as much as we did and took away new insights from our conversation. We greatly appreciate your comments and feedback on our respective podcast platforms. If you have not already, follow us on our Apple Podcasts and Spotify channels for new episodes and our Instagram page for more updates. Links are in the description and bios. Now, let's explore life one Buju Berkey Buddy session at a time.